Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you never give up on us. We thank you for your kindness, for your goodness, for your love. We thank you that you leave the ninth mind to come after the one. We thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you for selecting us, for choosing us, for liking us, for preferring us. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for ministering angels. We thank you that this is a day that you have made, and it gives us every reason to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you that we can call you Father, and most importantly, we thank you that you consider us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of Jesus, Amen. We thank God for another twenty-four hours, indeed. You have every reason to rejoice and be glad in this day, if you truly believe it was a day created by the Lord. You should not be a moody person. You should not be sad or restrict. It's a day that God has made. Rejoice and be glad. I remember I was telling some people at work that always smile, smile. They say, "I can't just be standing there and be smiling." I say, "Why can't you be standing there and be smiling?" <laughs> but you should be aware that there's a God who rules and reigns. In the affairs of life, in the affairs of men, and this God is your Father. Tonight we are continuing our study on all the Atherem Patem. Now our level has changed. <laughs> all the Atherem Patem, a Latin phrase that simply means "Listen to the other side before judging." Listen to the other side before judging. And God is making a defense for Himself through the pages of Scripture. And last week we are looking at one of the things that robs us of our beautiful future that God has prepared for us. That many of us we lose sight of, we end up blaming God for not being faithful. We end up blaming God for not being loved. You know, many of the 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 points that the atheists use to refute the reality of God is there's so much evil and pain we have in this world. How can a loving God be in charge of this world? And most of them is because of the pain they go through. And God is saying that before you make a judgment as to whether I exist or not, <laughs> as to whether I'm full of love or not, as to whether I am love or not, listen to my side. And we are looking at a wonderful man who had prophecies, who had everything fall in place for him. He became the first king of God's own people. He was a nobody in his father's house. God picked him. God chose him. God selected him. God preferred him. God liked him, and God gave him a nation. Like they, they literally gave him the nation. He didn't even fight any battle. He didn't even was not born to a, a royal family. He was the starting line. And this man who started with so much prospect, just because of jealousy, at his death came this saying. How has the mighty fallen? Tell it not in God. Publish it not in Ashkelon. How the mighty has fallen? And we are trying to answer the question: How did the mighty fall? And last week we looked at jealousy. How jealousy can make us irrational, and in fact, 
the past that like, that I kept thinking about was how jealousy can be a gateway for demon possession. And the Bible said that immediately Saul harbored in himself the weight of the woman when he and David and the army entered into the town. And from that day on, he kept a jealous eye over David. And the Bible says that in the next verse, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. And as we read, we got to where it was because God took his presence and his covering from him. May God never take his covering of our lives. And one thing about this is that I just imagine, you know, imagine I was a pastor in my in my wonderful church and this president comes to me and he comes for prayers that, Pastor, I am possessed by a demon. And when I'm there, then a demon just takes over me. You can imagine the way I will call for the elders of the church and say, is any afflicted, let him pray and begin to, to rain prayers on this president, King Saul, and bind demons. And I'm, I, and I'm sure sometimes as I'm talking to men, Saul will be telling me that, hey, also for pastor, there's this small boy in my country. Can you imagine? I made him my armor bearer. I made him a ruler over, over, over thousands of armies. Now he wants to take the kingdom from me. Hey, this life, eh, don't trust anybody. You People that you funny, funny things. And you see, that's the story that King Saul will present to the pastor. And or that's the story that King Saul will, will present. But if you hear God's side of the story, you would appreciate the fact that King Saul led himself to his own distraction. And my whole, or God's whole agenda for letting us have this discussion is to let us know that be 100% sure that you are not at fault before you go accusing God. Because for many instances, we are the one that puts ourselves in our own mess. We are like Adam and Eve. Immediately we eat, we choose to step outside of God's covering. Why then are you angry at God? You have It's like you are your father has built a house and he says stays in the house. You say, no, you want to go outside. And the rain is beating. You are blaming your father for not covering it. That's how many of us behave. And God is saying that in the story of Saul, listen to God's side. Saul allowed jealousy warp every fiber of his being. I can just imagine Saul getting together with his friends, complaining and, and, and murmuring, I give a small boy chance. Can you imagine a 17-year-old? I give him the chance. Now you which which 17-year-old is an ammo bearer? I even give my daughter to marry. I mean, hey, I I I stopped your your, your family from paying tax. And this is how you are paying me back. Hey, David. And now I am tormented. Oh, you can see how David will be the villain in Saul's story. But the reality of the fact is that Saul messed up. And God is teaching us this thing so that we will not follow the footsteps of Saul and mess up. So we have read that one of the things that robs us greatly from where God wants to take us and from where God God has ordained beforehand that we should walk in is jealousy. Tonight, we want to look at the second one. And this is my, I don't want to say my favorite, but a very interesting topic or a very interesting one. And I think it's the, it's the deciding factor of all of them. I think it's the most important. And it's the one that many of us fall corporate to especially in our times. And it's from 1 John 5, verse 21. I love the scripture. 1 John 5, verse 21. I really appreciate it if you could read it in different versions just to get the sweetness of God's word. It says, "Place The first place belongs to God only. Little children, keep yourself from idols. 
one version, some one version puts it. It says that the first place, just with the verse 20, and I'm going to the King James Version, it says that, and we know the Son of God is come and have given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. And in verse 21 in the King James, it says, Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Little children, keep yourself from idols. The version I like was that the first place belongs to God only. Little children, guard yourself from idols. In my personal opinion, the main reason why people who God has ordained glory, beauty, honor, every good thing for them, but they never get to that place is because of idolatry. And if you look at the journey of the Israelites, this was the main thing. So even whenever you read the Old Testament, you always see names like Baal, Baal, Baal. Baal used to worry the Israelites. Baal was like the one in the flesh of these people. Idolatry. And in my opinion, idolatry is the most useless crime to commit. And as we look at our study, we try and look at this thing, an idol. John is telling us that keep yourself from idols. Now, you know, when, when, when we hear idols, the first thing that we go to is having a, a calabash under our bed with some dummy or some, or having a, a, I don't know, an animal, the skin of something, I don't know, something funny. But let's look at what an idol is that John was telling us to guard away from. And an idol, I have three definitions, is anything that takes the place of God in your life. So God should be the Lord over your life. So God should be the one who tells you to do this and not to do that. God should be the one who tells you to say yes to this and no to this. God is the one that should inform your decision. So anything that informs your decision, anything that is the governing authority in your life is an idol. If that thing or if that person is not God. So if for you it is your beloved who is the governing authority in your life, your beloved or your spouse is your idol. If for you it is your job, you choose your job over everything and anything and everyone. Your job is your idol. So this is the first definition of an idol. The second definition of an idol is anything you are sacrificing for. And it's similar to the first. So some of us will sacrifice everything for our girlfriends. Everything. We will sacrifice our Christianity. We will sacrifice our values. We will sacrifice everything because of that lady. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's political power. Hey, as for that one, I don't want to go there. When we delve deeper, we will look into it. And the third definition, which I love, an idol is anything that God gives you that you cannot give back to him. Because frankly speaking, every good and perfect gift is from God. So God gave you that spouse. Now you can't give that spouse back to God. God gave you that job. You can't give that job back to God. God gave you favor. The Bible says it is him that causes one to rise and one to fall. So God gave you favor before your constituents, before your delegates, and you won the election. But you can't give God back what he has given to you. And that is why Abraham's test was very significant. And I always say this, that upon all that Abraham did with God and for God, 
Abraham still needed to pass this idol test. And God told Abraham, give me your son, your only son, whom thou loveth. God is not missing words. He's letting you know that nothing in this world should ever attempt to take his place in your life. And I love what the Bible said about Papa Abraham. The Bible said early the next morning he rose up. He didn't have sleepless nights over. He didn't think twice about it. In fact, it was not a bother. He, to the extent that there's, there's quite biblical evidence that after that he had issues with Sarah. And I found some portions of scripture that suggest that after that incident, we are not told what happened to Isaac. The Bible says that both Isaac and Abraham went up the mountain, but it was only Abraham that descended. And of course, if you're Isaac, after this epic encounter, you won't walk with your father again. But if your father can wake up one morning and sacrifice you there. <laughs> and there's biblical evidence that after that moment, Sarah was not mentioned with Abraham again. In fact, you got to know because when Sarah died, Abraham had to move from where he was to bury his wife. He bought a land and bought a cave over there. And you should understand this thing. And Abraham was willing to lay everything on the altar for God. No wonder he was called the father of faith. No wonder through him, all the nations of this world are blessed. If you give God the first place in your life, you see, this is something that we all sing in songs, we all say in church, we all confess, but in reality, somebody will say, Shelly, <laughs> we won't do anything. And you see, we need to appreciate the jealousy of God. And last week, we looked at the fact that God is a jealous God. He deserves the first place in your life. There is no argument about this. He created you. You, There is nothing like you without God. So it's not as if he's some obsessed being that is deserving. You know, m- most people like to make demands in systems, in institutions they are not investing in. So like some governments of our nations, they want athletes and sportsmen to win trophies, but they can't even give them a decent stadium or a decent, <laughs> you know what I mean. People like making demands in relationships in that they are not investing into. So you see most, if I should say ladies, they want a particular type of guy when they are not that, that guy's type of lady. They are always making demands. God is not a God who is making demands. He creates everything about you is God. And he's saying that give me what is due me. So we need to appreciate the jealousy of God. And this is what causes idolatry to be very, very, (laughs) I wish I could get another word to express how grievous the sin of idolatry is. And you know, this explains why many people have issues with their God quote-unquote, the God in the Old Testament. So you see, when God is instructing the Israelites to kill the, the Midianites, kill the, the Canaanites, kill people, he said, some, some, he says, destroy everything because these people were idol worshippers. So when you read the Old Testament, you see how God deals with sin that we take so lightly with. And the main thing that is we are committing was the sin of idolatry. That is why throughout the Old Testament, God kept reminding the people, do not marry somebody who is not an Israelite. In fact, in Numbers 23, before Balaam tried to curse the Israelites, and you know that because there was no sin, they were, the, the people were on point. The curse could not work. The next chapter, that was chapter 23 or 24, you see that the Israelites began to sleep 
with women from um, um i think i've forgotten but different women and they cause them to worship and attend their festivals where they sacrifice their children to their gods and god was so angry with it so when you see god in the old testament what and is causing total annihilation it just gives you a picture of how god deals with us of idolatry you can call it god's a wicked god god is a <laughs> unfortunately he is god and you are nothing but man and he just gives a picture of how serious god deals with idolatry let's read, let's read something in psalm 78 verse 48 psalm 78 verse 48 is a very interesting study psalm 78 verse number 48 but let's just start with um, verse 48 He gave up their cattle also to hail and their flocks to hot tender boats. This is how God was dealing with the people. He cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, his wrath and his indignation and trouble by sending evil angels among them. He made a way to his anger. He spared not his soul from death, but gave their life over to pestilence. He smote all the firstborn of Egypt. the chief of the strength of the tabernacle of ham but made his people go forth like a sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock verse 53 he led them safely so that they feared not but the sea overcame their enemies so he's talking about how god dealt with the egyptians and showed his mercy to the israelites now if you look at all the 10 plagues that befell the israelites all of them were strategic so psalm 78 it just gives us an account of how god dealt with the people of israel so you can you can you can take a, a read psalm 78 how god dealt with the people of israel and every plague was targeted at the 10 main gods in egypt every single plague now they had several gods in egypt several they had the god of fertility they had the god of the sun they had the god of agriculture the god of the water everything that is why god every plague so when god darkened the sun it was god was letting them know that the god you are worshiping which is actually no god is under my control and you know the last one was the first born son and the first born son is death it reveals the strength of a man is the potential pharaoh because always the first first born that inherits um the first male born that inherits the father so god dealing with the first born they even idolize their first male son and in those cultures uh, the first born female is not regarded in fact even in the jew culture the women are not regarded the testimony of a woman is not regarded that is why if you remember uh Um, the issue of the woman caught in idolatry they did not look for the man it was only the woman they were interested in that this woman was caught in adultery but that's not what I was just to appreciate how god deals seriously with idolatry and you see we should appreciate god's jealousy towards idolatry you know there are many things that in the days of ignorance god winked at it but in the last day he has called all men unto repentance There are a number of things that God can wink at in in pigeon you say he JI like he has removed his eye <laughs> like he doesn't want to notice it but when it comes to the sin of idolatry when it comes to placing something in God's place God deals vehemently with it and in my opinion I, I believe this is the most silly sin and I want to just 
So it just doesn't make sense. And I, I initially I wanted us to just to give you a, to read the story or to summarize the story, but I want us to read the story so that we would, let's try and rationalize these things. You know, we're in a generation where you need to think, where mental power, mental capacity is all that there is. Let's look at a clear case of idolatry. I've been reading this passage and I just don't get it. How people can be this irrational? Exodus chapter twelve. And this is nobody else but than the people of Israel. So now Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. Now, God has delivered the people. Now let's look at verse 32. And God prayed the night before they would leave Egypt. See what God told them. Verse um, 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians. Listen to what they borrowed. Jewels of silver, jewels of gold and remnants. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That means they took them, as in, they took everything from them. Verse 37, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramsia to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. You see here again, they didn't count the children, but they didn't count the women. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, flocks, heads, and even much cattle. But the focus is the fact that they took jewelry from the Egyptian. Now let's go to verse 14, chapter 14, verse 26, when God is flexing his muscles a bit. And the Bible says that, let's see from verse, verse 19, and the angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind, and the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood be- behind them. And he came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that no one can come near the other all night. So simply the angel that was leading the Israelites, he was in front of them. He moved from in front of them and went behind the Israelites. And the angels became as a cloud, separating the Egyptians from the Israelites. And this tells something about angels. One day we will do a study about angels. And this same angel, which was now in the form of a cloud, was darkness to the Egyptian, but light in the night to the Israelites. And his, and his main function was so that nobody can cross. The Egyptians could not get to the Israelites and vice versa. Now verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And this is very interesting about the miracles. God caused a strong east wind all night to blow back against the sea and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right and on their left. Ah, amazing. And the Egyptian pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians and through the pillar of fire and of cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. He took off their wheels that they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of the Israelites, from the Israel, for their Lord is fighting against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea, and the water came upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Now let's um, let's go to verse 30. 
does the Lord save the Israel that's the out of the hand of the Egyptian? And Israel saw the Egyptians die upon the seashore. Verse 31. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord. One, believed the Lord and in his servant. Now let's go to the verse 15. Then Moses and the children of the Israelites sang unto the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for you are triumphed gloriously. The horse, the horse and his rider had been thrown into the sea. They, were, they sang a song, they composed us. And we get to heaven, we know the original rhythm. Or the beats, as you say. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him an inhabitation. My father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. I like this one. Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariot and his horses are cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom of as a stone. The right hand of the Lord has become glorious in power. His right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. And the greatness of thy excellence, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against us. Thou hast saved for thy wrath, which consumed them as a stumble. They were giving God farms. They were praising God. And in the verse 11, this brought with, with the common part. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Hey. Among the gods, among the gods, look at the way they are wrapping God with vibes. They saw what God did. These people, the same people, it's not their children or a generation after, the same people that saw the great deliverance of God that experienced it, that sang songs for it. Now let's look at what happened in verse chapter 32. <laughs> Exodus 32, something amazing. And when the people saw that Moses had delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves on together unto Aaron and say, <laughs> make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke off their golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it into a molten calf. And they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of Egypt. <laughs> and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar for it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings. Remember, anything you sacrifice for. And brought peace offering. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Appreciate what is going on. These people, the same human beings, that God gave them favor before your slave masters to give you jewelry. He didn't just give you jewelry. You witnessed one of the greatest miracles of all time, apart from the resurrection. In fact, according to theologians, apart from the resurrection of Jesus and maybe Lazarus' miracle, what how God delivered the Israelites takes the third place. They experienced this thing. Now, Moses is saying that I'm going to talk to the Lord. You know, before that, God had tried to speak to them and 
they were scared and all those things. And now these guys keep along. And for some strange reason, the only thing that would come into their mind, you see why idleness is not good? Flee idleness. They went to Moses and said, we don't know what has become of Moses who delivered. So they remember that Moses delivered them. But they stole Aaron that make unto us gods. And of course, I don't blame people because for 400 years, they have been in slavery to a people that worship all kinds of gods. So you should understand the mental activity of these people. I appreciate that. But how could you ascribe your victory to them? That's the part that amazes me. You took the earrings, the gold, the jewelry that God gave you. You made it into a calf. And you are often sacrificed saying that this is the God that delivered you. I don't know in which universe this can make logical sense. And this is the way we all behave. How come the God that God has given you? Remember the time you prayed. Remember the time you sowed seed. Remember the fasting, the declaration, the prophetic services. All the things you went through just for that job. Now you get the job. You have made the job your God. Forgetting that there was a God who gave you that job. The same jewelry that God gave to them. You see, God didn't give it to them from their friends or from their slave masters. Now you are seeing this jewelry. How does this make sense? It's not why I say that idolatry, in my opinion, is the most useless sin. How can a tree that you have planted, you wake up one morning and you all agree that you know what, this tree is the guider of this community and this village. And from then forth, we now offer sacrifices to this tree. That even if you go and say, you don't even point at this tree. If you point at this tree, you will go blind. You will not give birth. How can something you have created become your God? Hush. Help me to understand how come the marriage that God has given you, you should see the way you, you should look at, you should do a flashback of the way you were praying for that marriage. You were praying for that fine gentleman. You were, you, oh, you were so humble. You were the most, you were a virtuous woman, virtuous man. And now this man has become your God. Where you will choose this man every day, every time, every moment over God. That is what idolatry can cause us to do. It makes us to become so irrational. And that is why God hates idolatry with every fiber of his being. How can the money God give you? you remember the time you finished school, you're looking for a decent job. You had a first job and the job was terrible. But God's grace, you got a very decent job. And the money, and the money is good. Few years, you have a good car. You have a nice apartment. You haven't bought a plot of land. The money that you prayed for, you wept for, you cried for, has now become your God. You see politicians, how politics can cause them to become so irrational. And you see, we need to appreciate idolatry. Because this has become one of the most prevalent things in Christians or people that associate themselves with Christianity. Because you'd be surprised to know the number of people that go to church on a regular basis, but they still have idols. And this is, I'm talking about artifacts. How can you take a, a, a calabash and put water and put the ribbon and claim this is your God? This is the one protecting you. What an insult to God. What an insult to God. How can you claim a calabash? 
out. How can you claim a calabash is protecting you? You have some people who are going to politics and when I tell politics, you need some back, you know. God cannot back you. It is beads around your waist or your anklet that can back you. How did we get to this point? How did you get to this point? That now you worship your spouse over everything. You worship your marriage. You worship your job. You worship politics that you can... You see, I was sometimes, I remember as a particular politician, I, I, I used to listen to him before his government won in power. And I am amazed the drastic shift in this man's talking, in this man's speech, in this man's communication. Like the man has lost every sense of reason. The man can say statements and I'm just like, you know, even a child who is born today will not make such a statement. And this man makes this statement on national TV. And I, I, I think I've said it before that the, the person was interviewed like, honorable, are you saying? And the guy's like, yes, this is a deal. It's like, <laughs> oh God, deliver us from idolatry. We really need to appreciate how grievous this sin is and how irrational this sin can make us go. And you see, we'll be looking, I, I really want to take my time to peruse this study. So we will come back next to God and look at one of the main idols in everybody's life. But I just want us to appreciate for a moment how irrational idolatry has made us become. And I'm saying, don't look at who have emblems. Who go to particular shrines as the ones who are committing idolatry. Just look at your life. The thing that has taken the final authority in your life. When the Bible says this, your boyfriend has said this. When the Bible says this, your job says this. I had one day I was listening to a friend, a female friend. And I was amazed at how, I don't know today, what is irrational? <laughs> how irrational she has become because of a foreign passport. You know, I, I've always heard these stories about green card, green card, and all those things, but I never knew somebody firsthand. I can listen to this lady speak, and the lady who all her life has been in church, has been singing in the church, praying in the church, in university. I think she was in a Christian group, an active member, like throughout her life. And just because somebody's showing a green card or a foreign passport, she has lost every sense of value. She's willing to do amazing things just because she wants to marry this person or whatever and get a card or a papers or however they call it. And I, and I just look at it. I'm just, I just listen, hoping that the person would realize like the, the things the person is saying. <laughs> it's like their brain has been frozen. And God is saying, how dare green card take my place in your life? How dare marriage take my place in your life? How dare that particular course in the university take my place in your life? Have you forgotten I gave you the jewelry? Have you forgotten how you were crying at church? How you were going from prophet to prophet, man of God to man of God, program to program? You were trying to be your best behavior just for that big breakthrough. Oh, Abraham did not forget. The same God who gave him Isaac. Ah, the Bible said, and Abraham reckoned that if God can give me Isaac at this age, he can raise him up from the dead. And God was just watching Abraham to say, hey, 
this guy going to really do it? And up to now, as when I get to heaven, one of the questions I ask Abraham, how did you tie Isaac on the altar? Because this is a man who's about in his hundred, hundred years. And this is a boy. After you lead the altar, how did you tell Isaac, Isaac, oh yeah? So you can imagine that the dynamics. If it was in our time, I'm sure he would have given Isaac more faith so that he would fall asleep. So I'm just imagining the awkward scene on the Mount Horeb. They have laid the altar. And Isaac is like, Papa, where is the sacrifice? And I'm sure Abraham will go like, you lie on it. Let me see if it is strong. <laughs> hey, Isaac, I apologize on Father Abraham. But this was the extent Abraham went to keep God as the first person in his life. Oh, God, help us. Never insult God with idol. You see, if you want to do your own thing, feel free. Like, just delete God out of your mind. But don't claim to be associated with God. Yet, when you need protection, which I don't know what you need protection for, because you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. What kind of security again do you want? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you are looking for protection. Oh, see how irrational people have become. Now, if you are going to politics there, you need this thing in this company. If you are going to work there, telling the big men who are there, this government sector, this place is politics. So you need extra back, extra backing care. And Nigel say extra backing diary. Is that how irrational ideals have made you? How can you claim to be associated with God, yet you are willing to sleep with people for money? How is this possible? That you claim that there's a God who provides. And yet, under the slightest request, you are running with arms open. You see, whenever we sin, it's all sin is simply idolatry. Whatever is causing you to sin, if it is fear, if it is whatever, that thing has taken the place of God because that's what you are responding to. So maybe because of a particular contract, you have seen how lucrative that contract is. You have suspended every inch of Christianity in you. You have falsified documents. You have sometimes I see some people. I remember one day I was listening to the news and in a particular sports stadium, and the camera was showing the state of the stadium, and they called the person in charge, and this person said that this stadium is eighty nine but complete. And the guy was like, "Honorable, we are standing at the stadium. Our viewers are looking at the stadium. How can you say?" He said, "Oh no, don't worry." I, I, I wonder how the calculation, they can say 72, where is the 2 coming from? 89, where is the 9 coming from? Percent complete. And you can see how irrational idolatry is. John is saying, little children, keep your lives away from idols. Appreciate this, sir. Appreciate it. What has taken the place of God in your life? I was talking to a lady friend and she was saying that how she lost herself in a relationship. Everything became about her boyfriend. Her happiness became about her boyfriend. So if the boyfriend is not involved, it is, she will not be doing it. And thank God she was she was able to reflect and say, ah, how did I get there? So tonight is a moment of reflection. Don't insult God with idols. Because how God dealt is the same yesterday, today and forever. Sometimes when you see people going through unimaginable pain, before you are quick, get God and say, God is not faithful. Ask them, which idol did they place in their life? So sometimes people come and tell me their troubles and they are before I, 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 I speedily decree and command, I say, hey, you there, 
let me listen to what God is saying. That's why the, the, the gift of word of knowledge is very important. Because people can come and tell you their stories and you wonder, is God really there? But by the time you listen to God's side of the story, people who, because of babies, they have done insane things because of children. Insane. Like things, like, oh God, mercy. Insane things. You see people who have destroyed homes because of marriage. Because they wanted a particular guy. Insane. God cannot even get them to come to church every single Sunday. But marriage can get them to do irrational things. Remember, an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life. An idol is anything you sacrifice to and sacrifice for. And an idol is anything that God has given you that you cannot give back to God. Just spend some moments and reflect on your life. What is that thing that you cannot give back to God? What is that opportunity that God gave you that you find it impractically impossible to give you back to God? Have a sober reflection. Don't say, as for me, I'm okay. We are not okay. We all have idols in our life. For some of us, it may not be something very prominent for a lack of better words. You know, we, not, we may not have a bead around our waist or an anklet or a calabash or some holy water or some tree or some something. But for some of us, it's our job. For some of us, it's our beauty. Like Vashti. Vashti was so consumed about her beauty that the person who made her queen, she forgot. Many ladies are consumed about their youthfulness. They should just look around and see the woman beside them. <laughs> the elder woman beside them. How vain. You see how useless idolatry is. How can you worship your beauty? Something that in few years' time, <laughs> oh mercy, Father, have mercy upon us, Lord. Lord, reveal to us the idols in our lives. Lord, reveal to us the things that are competing to take your place in our lives. Lord, reveal it to us, and we we'll be humble to accept when you reveal that our marriages are becoming our idols, our jobs are becoming our idols, money is becoming our idol. Political power is becoming our idol. Our beauty is becoming our idol. Lord, reveal to us and may we be humble to accept when you reveal to us. Lord, we pray for a circumcised heart, Lord. Father, deliver us from idolatry. Deliver us, Lord, from idolatry. Use every means possible, Lord, to deliver us from idolatry. May we keep you as the center of our lives, Lord. May we sanctify you in our hearts and may we never for a second not even for a microsecond replace you in our lives we ask for your help in this journey of life that we forever have you as our god in the name of our lord jesus amen all the way all the but then listen to the other side project I hope that we we'll see you next week, even as we delve deeper into one main idol. In fact, I call it the idol of idols. <laughs> that all of us, all of us are susceptible to, highly susceptible. And remember to invite your friends to join us on our third year of helping us renew our minds and reminding us each and every day that we need to give God our best. And we need to honor my method by love. 
thank you for being with us for three years and see you next week. Bye-bye.